Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Movies and a Meal, a podcast where we talk about movies and other things while we eat. I'm your co-host Ben, and as always I'm joined by Keith. Hey. And Brad. What's up? Well, special, special episode. This is our fifth anniversary episode. Woohoo, yeah! Get the celebrations in! Celebrate good times, come on! Celebrate. Thank you, Brad. I've got track. Okay, so... You know, July 2018, we actually launched kind of the second version of this podcast. Uh, the first one was on a little-known and now defunct app called Bumpers. But, <laughs> you know, 2018, we kind of rebooted. And the first movie, you know, time is circular, right? So in 2018, the first movie we officially reviewed when we came back was Mission Impossible Fallout. It's 2023 now, and now we have another Mission Impossible movie that's coming mm-hmm. out very soon. In fact, you'll probably hear the review for that before you hear this. You know, normally when we we hit our like hundred episode milestone, which we're still track on, we're still tracking to reach I think 400 episodes at the end of the year. But I want to do something different, and we love lists. Yes, we do. What we're going to do is uh, go over our top 10 movies that we've enjoyed over this five year span, movies that we've reviewed and and liked, and then. Um, you know, because we are masters of our own like little subgenres here, we're gonna do a top ten list of that, and then our boy Brad. I mean, fun with numbers. We we need to we need to salute Brad a second mm-hmm. here for completing the Herculean effort of like compiling all our movie ratings for the last five years, and then he did a analytics Bradalytics as we we're, we're starting to call it. Yeah, about um, the breakdowns and stuff like that. So. You know, we have an archive, at least an internal archive now, and, you know, that's something that keeps going to maintain, I think, for the, for the future and all that. Uh, I'm done talking, so why don't we just get into the list here? We all have our own criteria. I didn't necessarily rank mine of, like, the top ten best movies I liked, but just movies I've enjoyed mm-hmm. in the last ten years, things I've revisited or whatever. But, Keith, why don't you kick it off? Why don't all you right. give us a number ten? Well, when you give me a list, I get pretty annual about it. This is ten through one. That's how I like my list. Yeah. Number ten is the Netflix movie Tick, Tick, Boom. This is a great musical from Lin-Manuel Miranda that works on many levels. The best is a Valentine to both Broadway and New York City's Lower East Side in the 90s. Andrew Garfield is great for his portrayal of Jonathan Larson, who died of way too young of an aortic aneurysm. Excuse me. Um, you know, Garfield sings, acts, and the whole cast is great. It's just really fun. Number 10 for me is a movie uh, that came out in 2020 that I really like. Never rarely, sometimes always. It's from uh, director Liza Hittman. I just really found it fascinating. You know, this movie is about a teenage girl and her friend and traveling from Pennsylvania to New York to get an abortion. Like, Cindy Flanagan actually is the, is the main person, and then Talia Ryder, you know, are the two girls. And, you know, they have little to no acting experience. And the fact that Liza Hittman was able to get this performance out of them, it's, it's a fantastic movie. It's just, it's just a great film. It's, something, it's a movie I still think about all the time. Just a good example of good independent filmmaking. Well, Ben, you almost had the synergy perfect because okay. um, my number 10 was actually just seen on the TV ago, and that's Creed 3. Was this the directorial debut of Michael B. Jordan? It I was. am straight. Yeah, so it was, it was great performances by Michael B. Jordan and Tessa Thompson. Jonathan Majors. Great. Jonathan Majors. He gave a good performance too. It was, just, it was all around good performances. I really love the different take that they had on the fight scenes. My number 10 was uh, Creed 3. A little later on, my number nine is Sound of Metal. The Riz Ahmed is easily one of my favorite actors of all time, and he's never been better than this great flick from director Darius Martyr, co-written by Derek Chi and Fran. Kennedy plays a heavy metal drummer who loses his hearing, and it's a joy to watch as he struggles to embrace his new reality. Olivia Cook, another one of my faves, is equally great as his bandmate and lover, and keep an eye out for Paul Racy, who really should have won an Oscar for this. You know, we mentioned how 
And Tom Cruise seems to be booking ending our movies from our first our first episode to uh, our <laughs> current times. But so I'm gonna dig back to last year with Top Gun Maverick. Rightfully or not, you know, it's kind of like the movie that kind of reinvigorated movie theaters post-COVID. It's pretty much the perfect blockbuster, really. Uh, it pulls on some nostalgia, but it improves on the original movie. It introduced a bunch of new people, or at least into that universe, people we know. Like, Tom Cruise basically doesn't necessarily suck up all the air from the rest of the folks. <laughs> I don't know what to say. It's just a crowd pleaser. So that's that's me, Top Gun Maverick. If you know me, you know I love my comic book movies. There, really? there, there, will, be, there will be a few that are on this top ten here. My number nine is uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, Wen Wu, as, as a villain, is very well done. The MCU seemed like they were turning making uh, turning a new leaf when it comes to their villains, and I'd like to think this was the... If it wasn't the start, it was definitely a kickstart, making the MCU villains more respectable and more human, almost, you could say. And acting all around was great. The the fighting style, the fighting, the the, um, the CGI, it all fit real well. So I really enjoyed Shang-Chi, and that was my, uh, my number nine. My number eight is Midsummer. You know, when I started this out, I thought more horror movies would make the list. It's so disturbing, I've never been able to watch it a second time. It's the saga of a group of Americans who make a pilgrimage to a Swedish town whose annual festival just keeps getting more and more twisted. It's also the first time I really understood the true power of Florence Pugh. It was just transcendent in this. Brad's pick of Shang-Chi, that was on my list, but I'm going to take the opportunity to sneak in an alternate end. Oh. Since it's already been mentioned and already acknowledged. Well, um, we'll put it this way. Where would you have it on your It would have been, it probably would have been about where you put it. Okay. Um, if I did rank these movies. Again, the, my list isn't necessarily ranked. I'm just going over well, how okay. I listed it. So. I got you. So I'm going to go ahead and recommend a Netflix movie that was uh, written by Noah Baumbach, Marriage Story, uh, starring Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. To best put it, you know, the story is about two people who are in love and they're obviously their marriage is dissolving and what becomes of that. And if someone asked me, like, um, can you define acting or anything like that, I would just kind of point to them to the one scene where it's just Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. They're in Adam Driver's new apartment because they've split mm -hmm. and they basically have their big blowout, right? Adam Driver just... Lo I mean, they basically go one-on-one -on -one as far as acting and just explaining, like, what happened to their marriage. And it's kind mm -hmm. of a tour de force and just wonderful. You have a whole range of emotions. You have sadness and, like, you know, there's a pettiness. And, you know, it's just... I think it captures most realistically what it is to fight with somebody, not physically, but, like, <laughs> an emotional kind of way. Again, it's not a movie I think you can, like, re-watch. Like, but it's not that depressing either. That's no, no, no. And, it, you know, without spoiling, it does end on a semi-hopeful note, or at least uh, a positive note. But that scene is just like, wow. My number eight is a very good movie that, fortunately, has a little bit of sad note to it. It's uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the last film performance of uh, Chadwick Boseman and. He is definitely gives it his all like he always does in the film. And it's Viola Davis can ma matches not only the, the on-screen performance, but she sometimes surpasses it. Thoroughly enjoyed it. It was a surprise for me. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think I'd like it as much <laughs> as I did. And it was a very well done movie. So uh, my number eight is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. My next one is a number seven is a Netflix movie, Private Life. Not surprising that a lot of these movies are streaming only, but you know, this one really should have gone to a theater because the human comedy from Timra Jenkins is just fantastic. Stars Paul Giamatti and the great Catherine Hahn as a couple struggling with their inability to conceive a child. Now, Jenkins has only somehow made three movies through the years The Savages, The Slums of Beverly Hills, and now this one. But in Perfect World, she'll get to make three more. I think she's under contract with Netflix, so bring them on. Next movie on my list is it's not comedy, but it's uh, definitely just a romance film, and that's <laughs> Portrait of a Lady on Fire. It's from Celine Siama. 
came out in 2019. You know, there's another movie that I'm going to mention on this list. Again, mine aren't ranked, um, so it's just what I'm listing there. So, but they have the same themes of just yearning and just I don't know, like falling in love at the wrong time in a lot of ways. And uh, it's just a very striking movie, um, very emotional, and you know, it's just like. I'm not necessarily a period drama kind of person, but I mean, with the stories this good, it transcends that, and uh, it's, it's just another movie that I think about a lot. Uh, my number seven is a uh, pretty recent movie. Uh, it's come out this year. It's uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three, and it's uh, the uh, swan song for um, James Gunn and the MCU, at least for the moment. Hopefully, the the DC projects will work so well for him that it'll come back. To he, he don't have to come back to the MCU, and hopefully, <laughs> the MCU can find their stride without him. But he ends this on a very high note, wrapping up all stories, plus telling a very intricate and a very well done, but at times very morose story about Rocket Raccoon, which is <laughs> probably the least likely character you would think would have a story behind it. Maybe maybe Groot being a little less likely, but there are some of the best action scenes you can have in, a, in a, an MCU movie in that movie. I had a little tear a couple times at the end of the movie, so uh, yeah. My seven's uh, Guardians Volume 3. Moving right along, my number six is Eighth Grade. And this coming-of-age tale will also make my list in the second half of this show, so I'll only talk about it once, but I'll mention where it falls on the list in the second half. You know, amazingly, this was written, and also written and directed by comedian Bo Burnham. You wouldn't think of that, but he was also in The Big Sick, and of course he has his own comedy specials. And this movie takes a look at the life of the titular eighth grader played with True Wonder by Elsie Fisher, growing up with their single dad and confronting all the badness of the world around her. It's really one of my favorite movies, and you can stream it on Max. I first, I think, started hearing about this movie through a podcast, and then strangely, the director, Cooper Raff, was on uh, ESPN Basketball Podcast, because <laughs> I think he's related to somebody who who calls uh, Dallas Mavericks games, but that shithouse it is a kind of coming-of-age comedy, produced, written, and starring Cooper Raff, and it kind of has the same vibe as one of my favorite movies of all time, um, which is, uh, like, the four... The four Sunrise and Four Sunset movies where, you know, it's a little it's a little aimless in the beginning. You know, it's just two people who are together and the romance is budding, I guess, but in a very just slow kind of rambling way. And it's a great debut for them. I, you know, he followed that up with, what's that, Cha-Cha Real Smooth that yeah. Keith and I both really enjoyed as well. Two um, great movies. And, you know, he's he's got a lot going. Cooper rap has got a lot going for him, and I can't wait to see his next movie, but... Yeah, as you said, he needs to branch out after this, yeah. so we'll see. My number six, and Ben, please forgive me if you have this on your list. It's uh, another movie that just came out recently in 2023, and that's uh, John Wick Chapter 4. I don't want to go too much into spoilers because it's still just come out this year, but it's a very, could be a conclusion to the John Wick series. They did a very well job with that. The action pieces on, on par with the John Wick series is... Sometimes, sometimes even surpasses them. There's a couple scenes where they take it to another level. Keanu Reeves is descriptive in actions, not in words, and that's uh, that's probably when he's at his best. And yeah. this is probably his best. And I mean, the supporting cast is very good. Um, um, uh, Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen is very good. It was one of the better to best action movies that I've seen. It's just a pure action movie. So I really enjoyed this movie. And uh, like I said, if this is the last of the John Wick series, I think they ended on a really high note. So that's my number six. <laughs> my number five is Logan. This is my favorite superhero movie of all time. And it's not only in that genre, but James Mangold's movie starring Hugh Jackman and Sir Patrick Stewart also works as a western and just on so many more levels. A good road movie too. They're both really good, but keep an eye out for Daphne Keene, who's even better as young Laura, giving this movie both all its angst and its heart. Ben, what you got for number five? Or what do you got next on your list? <laughs> Excuse me. 
Next on my list, this movie just won Best Picture last year. That's Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Michelle Yeoh, Kihi Kwan, they both received Oscars mm -hmm. for this. It's just a mix of all the things I think that we've been enjoying the last couple of years, or maybe even getting sick of, is the multiverse kind of thing. <laughs> but also it's married with a very personal story. It was great to see Michelle Yeoh, who has been acting for so long, and it's kind of undervalued, I think, as an American actor. It's good to see her. And same thing with Kiki Kwan, who burst onto the scene with Goonies and Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and kind of fell into obscurity, but um, he's back. You know, kudos to them. My top five here, this could be interchangeable on any given day. For today, I'm going to go ahead and say it. My number five is Spider-Man No Way Home. Another movie where if they kind of wrap it up, which I hope for goodness sake they don't, but if they do... It kind of ends, It could you could see it as a down note, but I see it as a very fitting end start point to, for the Spider-Man series. Tom Holland is, is tour de force. You, I think I could spoil the fact that um, Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire. All out. This movie came out two years ago, Brad. It's yeah, okay. I'm just, just checking. So. Willem Dafoe coming back as Green Goblin and cementing him as definitely a top two Spider-Man villain and probably even a top ten uh, movie villain of all time. Dea was great in this, which... Probably, That's high praise yeah, for Brad. So, um, and yep. just, just in general, just a lot of great acting and just a very well done movies. Well, my number four is Summer of Soul. The movie focusing on the legendary 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival features electrifying performances and recollections of the event from both attendees and performers for a heady mix. Keep an eye out for a stunning performance by Nina Simone and for little moments like Stevie Wonder playing the drums. It will just make music fans of all kinds smile. Okay, so you know, I mentioned how Mary's story, like that one scene, is how I would kind of put up an example of like this is you know acting a, a very like high level. You know, it's a remake, but I think this is a better version than that. And it, I would say this is kind of the example of what. A musical should be and what like 50s Hollywood even though again it came out as a remake a couple of years ago and that's um, Steven Spielberg's version of West Side Story you know the music is classic of course the story is classic Ansel Elgort and of course you know what uh, I think burgeoning um, moves in a meal podcast favorite uh, Rachel Ziegler star in that Ariana DeBose won an Oscar for supporting actress in this my number four is a movie that caught me off guard but technically never happened but it's definitely a good essay about it and that's One Night in Miami. Jenny King does, it directs a wonderful wonderful movie where it just basically you take four prominent black men in the 60s right? Yes. In the 60s and just put them together in a room and just cash out ideological differences and just basically differences of, of, of all kinds and just put it together in one room and just have them talk and it's wonderful it's it struck me how good it was and it's it's a it was a surprise for me now and even that even if it makes the top five it's a surprise for me because you know me comic book movies you would think would be make seven or eight of the movies but one night in miami is that good of a movie that it makes my top five and right along my number three is jojo rabbit uh, Taika waititi has in a short time become one of my very favorite directors and this oddity is probably his best movie so far I mean, the premise on paper, the story of a young boy growing up in Nazi Germany who has Hitler as his imaginary best friend, really shouldn't work, but it really does. It's a nearly flawless mix of heart and humor with a great cast led by Roman Griffin Davis, Thomas and Mackenzie, Scarlett Johansson, and Sam Rockwell. And the end, when they finally let it go to that great David Boy song in German, is just perfect. Uh, a movie that kind of came out of nowhere a couple years ago on Disney Plus that I just really enjoyed, and again, kind of pulls in the multiverse. 
but in a different way is uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I really enjoyed that movie. You know, it's kind of uh, in the vein of Who Framed Roger Rabbit and Andy Samberg and John Mulaney are, are Chippendale. And it mixes live action with cartoons. It mixes different like IPs together, like you know Transformers <laughs> and uh, you know just whatever it is. I watch it every year. It's just and it never gets old to me. And I just I just like it. My number three and uh, just a spoiler alert: they're all, that my top three are comic book movies. So I, I can I can divert a little on my top five and my top three not so much. So uh, my number three is Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, and this was a movie that I guess I can claim. You you all mentioned no. this. That, don't say I, I guess well, you can't claim it we're giving so, the credit so, you're uh, the early that, champion that, that it was something that I thought would be something that would be a good movie even though it was an animated Spider-Man movie which you, you haven't seen but they blew animation out of the water with this just with the the style the direction the your voice cast is very well done it's just a great story all together just it's a great coming of age story you could say it almost started the multiverse trend too to an extent all right, for number two, I'm sorry to get a pass because I will. I'm, I'm piggybacking on Ben. It's Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I just love Celine Sciamma, and for all the reasons Ben said, this is a great movie. So you're up. Another movie that just came out of nowhere without a lot of fanfare last year, but I thought, um, which kind of reinvigorated the franchise and gave us a, a really great female heroine that, who I, an actor who I hope will do more stuff. Maybe mm-hmm. he'll be in the X Men universe soon or something like that. And that's Prey which is part of the Predator franchise, introduced, well, I won't say it introduced us, but this is kind of Amber Mid-Thunder's kind of breakout role, I think. Just a low-key, great action movie. It's on Hulu. You know, they're very mindful. You know, she's a Native American. She's playing a Native American. You can watch um, the English dub, or you can watch a Navajo uh, dub, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's the one I watched. It's one of those movies that I wish was actually in the movie theaters, because I would have paid to watch mm-hmm. this in the movie theaters. My number two, surprisingly, I just realized this. This is the fourth movie that's come out this year that I have on my top ten list, which is... Oh, got that recency bias. Yeah, recency bias. But this one, I think, deserves it, and uh, it could very well be number one, but number one's really near and dear to my heart. So my number two is uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, and basically they took everything that Into the Spider-Verse had and did, and they blew it up to 100. Basically, they turned that knob to 11, and it was very well done. It's uh, Where I said Miles, this was sort of like Miles' coming-of-age story, this one focuses more on uh, Gwen Stacy or Spider-Gwen even though they do have Miles intermingled in there, but it's it, it focuses a lot on Spider-Gwen, and it just does a great job just showing trials and tribulations she's going through and just the whole theme of the spider, of Spider-Man. Just great power comes great responsibility, and I'm interested to see. It's it's a it's technically a part one, but I and it might have ended a little suddenly, but I thoroughly enjoyed the movie, and some of the, some of the spots and sequences were just mind-blowing for, for an animated movie. All right, my number one, there was really only one choice, because it's just that good, Parasite, Bong Joon-ho. This movie works on so many levels. It's perfectly as a mix of razor-sharp social satire and horror with a great cast of Korean actors. I've seen this at least five times, and it still never fails to surprise me. And, you know, five years is far too long to wait for a new movie from this true master, but it looks like he'll finally be back next year with a sci-fi movie called Mickey 17, starring Robert Pattinson. I mentioned this in an earlier episode that we're kind of having a renaissance in Asian movies and Asian directors like that. Um, that was a great example. It won an Oscar. As we're recording this, Crazy Rich Asians is on, uh, which is another great movie. Uh, we just reviewed Joyride, which is the directorial debut of the person who wrote Crazy Rich Asians. 
you know, speaking of recency bias, you know, I just saw this movie recently, but um, I'm going to go with Past Lives by uh, Celine Song, starring Greta Lee, Tio Yoon, and uh, John Margo, Margaro. And, you know, it's a story about kind of like Portrait of a Lady on Fire or like Before Sunset of just like people who have this deep connection, but they just can't find it to like actually connect with each other at the same time. Um, I just found it incredibly moving you know i you know again i just watched this movie and i think it's one of the best of the year i think it's going to be nominated for an oscar i think those people um that star in it like greta lee um she's probably my front runner for best actress right now so great movie see see it where you can see it my number one this has been my number one for years uh years plural because it, it has it's been a little while since it's come out Avengers Endgame, culmination of 10 plus years of movies, stuck the landing. Some people say the time travels a little wonky. There's some scenes that's wonky, but you gotta admit, some of those scenes you see, they just it just makes your hair stand up on your arm. It still does for me. And I've seen this movie probably at least I've seen it full like two or three times, and I've seen bits and pieces, scenes four or five times. Just seeing Captain America just say Avengers Assemble just makes me have goosebumps. It's a wonderful movie. For my opinion, it's stuck the landing. It's my number one Avengers Endgame. Those are our like top ten movies, or just like movies that we really enjoyed over the five year period. But Brad, you also have a you have your least enjoyed movies, right? You have yes. a bottom five. You want to? I have a bottom quick? five. Yes. I mean, you you can't you you, you got to take the negative with the positive. So, in my bottom five, I'll just read them off real quick. Five X Men: Dark Phoenix. Four Coming to America. Three Blonde. Two Morbius. And one Everybody. All three of ours probably worst movie of our five year span so far. At least the top five. Yeah. Top uh, the two thousand and nineteen Hellboy. Couple notes. Blondes is definitely worse. That is a trash fire that is highly offensive. And this is coming to America, the sequel, just to clarify. I said coming <laughs> I said coming to America. Yeah, well it's a radio, so yeah. it's good. Yeah. Alright. Alright, I'll stick my fingers, which nobody can see, coming to to America. That's my... my you're right, those are five terrible movies. We each have kind of our specialty lists, um, and we're going to go over that. And this is our, like, top ten movies of all time in our specific genres, and those genres being for Brad, superhero movies, for me, action movies, and for Keith, coming-of-age movies. So, think of this as our, like, recommendation. Brad, why don't you go first with your superheroes? Well, I got to I got to make a plug here. My uh, my cousin and uh, friend of the podcast, Matt. We had to sit down and talk about this because this is not just Marvel. This is DC as well. So I had to I had to think it through. What DC movies could possibly make the top ten for me? And it's very hard. I had three considerations. Only one made it. So I'll just go ahead and go real quick. Number ten is Avengers. The original Avengers. Uh, number nine is Captain America: Civil War. Number eight is The Dark Knight, the uh, the lone Batman movie. That was a tough one, but I I think I had it slotted a good position for me. Uh, number seven is Captain America: Winter Soldier. Uh, number six is Spider Man: No Way Home. Uh, number five is Spider Man: Into the Spider Verse. Number four, Black Panther. Number three, Spider Man: Across the Spider Verse. Number two, Logan. And uh, number one is uh, as always probably will be Avengers: Endgame. Okay, so my top 10 for action, the top 10 for sure, like ones I really highly recommend that you watch, Die Hard, Terminator 2, Hard Boiled, Under Siege, the Steven Seagal movie, you know, that one, 
Okay, Steven Seagal has done a lot of terrible movies. He seems to do like one every three months, but he's only done two really great movies. Or he's only done two really good movies. Above the Law and Under Siege, both were directed by Andrew Davis. Under Siege came out in 1992, and through uh, the success of that movie, Andrew Davis was able to do The Fugitive with Harrison Ford, which is one of the great chase movies of all time, thrillers and all that. So we got to have a Michael Bay movie, so I'm going to put The Rock in there. <laughs> also very enjoyable. And this is a pre-70s thing. You know, we're going to have the 50th anniversary. I think we're going to be doing this for Brad's education pretty soon, but it's Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. Brad mentioned John Wick. Uh, I do have a John Wick movie on there. I think John Wick 2 is actually the best of the of the franchise because it builds on everything from John Wick 1 with a bigger budget. As far as like car chases, I mean obviously I have a bullet poster up there, but I think overall as a movie to enjoy action or whatever, I would recommend the 1998 movie Ronin. John Frankenheimer, Robert De Niro, Natasha McCombe. Another seminal action movie from Catherine Bigger 1991 it's Keanu Reeves has starred in like some of the mm. best action movies of all time but mm. like and I had a hard time picking this between Speed or The Matrix but I'm gonna go with Point Break again because Catherine Bigelow fantastic you know that chase scene with the handheld where he's chasing Patrick <laughs> Swayze awesome awesome no one's mentioned a Tarantino movie yet in our overall things whatever so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mash this in together for one because I really I'm not understanding why they don't have one full definitive sewn together version. But I'm gonna go Kill Bill one volume one and two. <laughs> well, I'll keep this quick. On the coming page, it was hard to come up with only ten, but I managed to do it. I think number ten is Easy A with Emma Stone. I like to laugh. Number nine and number eight are actually from the same director, Kelly Freeman Craig. This year's uh, simply fantastic. Are you there, Goddess Me, Margaret? And also Edge of Seventeen with uh, the great Haley Seinfeld. Number seven is Greta Gerwig's autobiographical Lady Bird. Number six sounds like a downer, but it's really not. The Virgin Suicides from Sofia Coppola, starring uh, Kirsten Dunst, a lot of uh, other good people. Number five, you know, this one, I have the most affection to this, but it's not the best. Dope. I just love this movie from Rick Famuyiwa. It's, it's a good movie. Yeah, it stars three of my favorite. No, I'm saying it could be number one. I apologize. Yeah. It stars three very talented people. I love Shamik Moore, Kirstie Clemens, and Tony Revolori, and Asap Rocky and Zoe Kravitz somewhere in this. It's a crazy good movie. Number four is Kim Crow's Almost Famous, also my favorite journalism movie, and it was one of the educational Brad movies that I know you guys both liked. Number three, and there's a reason this was here, when Days of Fuse came, Days of the Fuse came out in 1993, they showed it at UGA, and I was there, I saw it three times in one day. It's one of the best days of my entire life. They showed it for free, and they didn't care if you saw it back to back to back. And it's just a perfect way to spend the day. Number two was on my first list, eighth grade, so I'll pass over that. And number one, this is not only my favorite coming of age, one of my favorite movies of all time. I just watched it again last night. It's spectacular now. It really brought to the world uh, Miles Teller and Shailene Woodley, and it has Bob Odenkirk, Brie Larson, uh, Andre Royo, Generation Lee, and Kyle Chandler. Just fantastic story about finding your way in the world, and I can't recommend a movie any higher. Brad, you want to do some Bradalytics? Movies, new movies that we have seen in the five years. We have seen 308 total movies <laughs> of the five years. Keith? You are our scoreboard leader right now at the moment with most movies at 264 you have seen. So, uh, Ben, you're in second, a little behind, but not much, 212. Mm. And I am bringing up the rear because Keith has tripled me here because I have seen 84 movies in five years. As far as I've done every single, I've looked at every single ranking and I've uh, tallied them up. Ben, or the most movies you had at the ranking was 3.0. 
you had had 65 movies at 3.0. Okay, so, that, that makes sense for me. Um, Keith, your highest ranking is uh, 4.0 by a hair. You had 65 movies at 4.0, 63 at 3.5. Well, so. I like to celebrate movies. And uh, myself, uh, my highest is also 4.0. I've had 21 movies. How many fives do you think you've gave in the five years? I don't think I've given any. Oh, no, I, no, I take them back. I think I've probably given, oh, overshoot, I'll say two. You said two? I'll, Keith, go, I'll go five. You go five? Mm-hmm. All right. I've given five fives. I know that's that's a mouthful there. My five fives were Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse, Avengers Endgame, One Night in Miami, Spider-Man No Way Home, and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. Ben, you have given one five <laughs> in this whole entire time. You want to take a guess at what movie it is? <laughs> Morbius. It is not Morbius. Yes. Hmm. Endgame? It is Avengers okay. Endgame. That is your one five. So... Keith, you have given nine fives. Excellent. So people should celebrate movies more. You you should. And um, your your nine fives are uh, Black Klansman, mm-hmm. Sisters Brothers, mm-hmm. Spider Man Into the Spider Verse, mm-hmm. the aforementioned Parasite, One Night in Miami, Raya and the Last Dragon, Summer of Soul, mm-hmm. another movie you've mentioned, The Power of the Dog, and the Spider Man Across the Spider Verse. So, the only one I might take back is Raya, but I love that movie. So why not? And looking at the trends, we're getting rid of the Bradalytics here. Keith, you've actually slowly gone down on your rankings. Because you started at 3.83, <laughs> and not counting this year, it'd be 3.27 in 2022. Ben, you're, you've are you peaked at 2021, because you slowly went up. And then 2022, you, you went down a little bit. You went from 3.26 to 3.17. So I can see that. You know, reviewing your list there... I've given, I felt like I had given movies way too high numbers, so that's going to change. So, and I've sort of been up and down. My lowest has been uh, 2019, uh, and then I went up to 3.5, I went from 3.36 to 3.5 to 3.57 and back down again. So I'm a yo-yo. The total average of every single movie we've done, I've thrown <laughs> that out. So Ben, you can probably guess. You're kind of the low man on the total pole with that, with 3.17. Keith, you're actually second here, 3.39. And probably because of the amount of movies I've seen, I am at the highest at 3.47. So we're in that 3, 3, 5 range. We also have a chance to be introspective at the end of every year when we kind of have another 100 plus episodes in there. But um, I don't know, do you guys want to add something? Oh, Brad wants to add I got one more. I'm sorry, I, I skipped it. It's the guest appearances. I'll give you the top five. Of occurrence? Top five people. Okay. So, top five appearances. Top five appearances. Yeah. Total appearances. Um, number five is uh, Julia from What You Should Read podcast. She mm-hmm. has five appearances. Okay. Number four is uh, T. Mitch. He has had eight appearances so far. For number three, the pod father himself, Earl, had nine appearances. Really? Wow. Number two, friend of the podcast, Matt Norman. He has had ten appearances. Right. Now, number one has to be Kelly. Number one is Kelly. Number one is 15. You want to go 15, Ben? I don't think it's that much more than Matt, but I'll go like lucky 13. <laughs> ben is on the spot. 13 appearances. So the one who has done the most new movie reviews is actually Matt, who has had done seven well, mo- yeah. new movie reviews. Kelly has done three. Mitch has done two. And then we've got a few that has done one. The first person to do a new movie review was actually Jeremy for uh, Blinded by the Light. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, do we have anything else? I mean, no, it's, it's, I've, I've emptied my it's, quiver. It's been, so. I mean, five years is a long time. It's been fun. 
you know, we're we're going to be uh, we're, like I said, we're going to hit up 400 episodes at the end of the year. So five from five years now, we have to have a three hour episode. So just just yeah. saying, so we have to top that. out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Keith won't be a part of it. He'll, he'll, uh, we'll, just, we'll just play a three hour movie and do it like um, a live MS3, live MS3 reaction. Avengers yeah. Endgame. We'll yeah. do Avengers yeah. Endgame live reaction. Yeah. To Avengers <laughs> Endgame. There you go. So, but. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's been fun. We've seen a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Actually, we haven't seen as many movies as I thought. I thought we would be 500 plus movies by now. Yeah. But. Yeah. I think the pandemic kind of put a, yeah. a little bit of a crimp in it. I mean, we find it real quick, but I know the numbers dropped off in 2019. Sure, sure of course. Not much, but it dropped off enough, especially for me, because I had only seen like seven new movies. So I think you two had definitely uh, kept up with the pace. So uh, I'm just a little surprised that I would have thought that the divide of total movies between me and Keith would be a little bit wider. It wasn't. It was closer than well, I expected. You see a lot of movies then. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was only, what, 30 or something separating us? Well, I'll, I'll put it this way, Ben. The, the divide's getting a little bigger as of 2023. Sure, yeah. Uh, I haven't seen as many movies. Keith has seen 30 movies so far in 2023. <laughs> uh, you have seen 14 and I've seen 12. Sure. So I should be oh. nowhere near you, Ben. Okay. So, <laughs> but uh, but, but cir- circumstances have arised. Sure, so sure, sure. we don't need to get in that. So. Okay, all right, so Keith, you got plugs. Oh, sure. You can find us at moviesandmealog at gmail.com, moviesandmeal on Twitter. You can give us a listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Okay, so for this episode of Movies and the Meal, I'm Ben. And Keith. Brad, here's to another five more years. Peace! See you.